0: Good morning, everybody. I'm Alvin. I serve as lead pastor here at the church. And I'm honored that you all are here today. I hope you have a good time. I've really enjoyed myself so far. The music team was a major blessing. And I want to thank them for giving their hearts to God. And I pray that it inspires you all to just have greater faith in him. Uh, We mentioned it already, but I do want to invite everybody next week to be here Labor Day uh, weekend, that's Sunday. The Katinas are great family friends of ours, and we've known them for a long time, and they're a group of, uh, they're biological brothers, and they travel all around the nation and other nations as well, and and minister the gospel through music and through preaching, and we get to have both on Sunday. They're going to be doing both. And uh, we've been talking about them coming for years, and Literally years to Nashville life and we finally found a time that worked and we're in our new space. So they're excited to come. And I just want Nashville life to give them a very warm uh, and hype welcome. I want us to come ready to praise God. I don't want them to have to work hardly at all to get us engaged with God because we are a church where we come to praise God. We come to worship God. So I want to just really have us represent well for them and uh, I just know they're going to be a blessing. I can't wait. So I I wanted to bring that up and then, yeah, we got the message. I want to get into the word. We got a lot that I want to cover today. So if you can, repeat these words after me. Uh, Say, the word of God is the bread of life. life. May my heart conceive it it. and my life achieve it. it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, we just finished 21 days of prayer and fasting. (laughs) Yesterday was day 21. We got up, uh, many of us were here from 6 a.m. to 7 every weekday the past three weeks. We did 9 to 10 on Saturdays, and then we got to fast on Wednesdays from food and really trust God to grow our faith. I believe that we need great faith to, to fulfill our callings that God has for us. Uh, the theme for 2022 is withstanding the wind. We're learning how to withstand the wind. And wind is a metaphorical term that's used in scripture that represents all of the challenges and resistance and obstacles uh, against your faith. Whether they're tests, whether they're temptations, whether there's doubt, uh, these are things that are designed to do one of two things. They're either designed to pluck us out of the fold and to make us leave the faith or to strengthen us in the faith. I've said this before with relationships. I don't believe, I believe relationships, when whether it's friendships, whether it's a marriage, whether it's professional, I believe a conflict uh, has the potential to either sever the relationship Or strengthen the relationship. I've seen relationships in my life where when I experience opposition or when I experience a conflict and we go through it well, it actually brings us closer together. And I think the same thing happens with wind. When wind hits our faith, when challenges hit us, when suffering hits us, I think it has the potential to either make us walk away from the faith or it makes us hold even tighter to the faith. And my prayer is that Nashville Life and everybody in this room, uh, as we experience wins and as we experience challenges and tests, that we are a people that get closer to God during these wins. We grab hold to them even tighter because of the conflicts and the issues and the complications and the trials. So, so that's what this year is all about. And I believe that great faith is required in order to get through these seasons of of windy and stormy times. Um, Great faith is something that is for us all to have, but we have to know how to get it. And it has to do with uh, receiving faith involves one of your five senses. And according to the Bible, it's the sense of hearing that actually can make or break your faith. I'm going to talk to you guys about hearing today. Hearing is very essential to your faith, um, for better or for worse. You can hear things that can destroy your faith and that can really break your faith. And you can also hear things that build your faith and grow your faith. Obviously, as Christians, the idea is that our faith grows, right? It gets stronger and stronger. So we can wish for that, but it's important for us to know how to actually make that happen. And it has everything to do with what you hear. Uh, The Bible makes it clear to us in Scripture that hearing is a direct door to your heart. Some of us are like, why is hearing so significant? What you hear, according to Scripture, can actually or actually gets down into the depths of your heart. So this is why the Bible tells us to guard our hearts because whatever is in your heart is what comes out of everything that you do. The Bible says that every issue of your life flows from your heart. Therefore, we've got to guard it. We've got to guard it. The Bible says guard your heart above everything else. Which means, I mean, think of what you guard the most. Uh, guard the, most. the heart needs to be guarded even more than that. Even more than your bank account. And I believe all of us need to guard our bank accounts. But the heart needs to be guarded above even that. Because from it flows every issue of your life. Not just your spiritual life. I'm talking professional life. I'm talking about romantic life. I'm talking about financial life, social life. I'm talking about everything of your life stems from your heart. Therefore, we've got to guard it. And to guard your, part of guarding your heart is guarding what you hear. When you are a guard, you are responsible for what gets in and what stays out? That's what a guard does. A guard, a, like a bouncer at a at a club or something, he decides who gets in, but he also guards people from. Uh, well, he guards people from getting in, and he also lets people in. So, as a guard for your own heart, you're responsible for what gets in there, and you're responsible for what stays out. If God is asking us to guard our hearts, I think that's good news because it shows that we've been given the right to determine what gets in and what stays out. I was uh, researching and studying for this and I got, uh, came across a story that inspired me and it was about Thomas Edison, who most of us, I'm guessing, learned about in elementary school. He's one of the greatest inventors of our time, of all time, a brilliant mind. And uh, because of Thomas Edison, we have things like the light bulb, you know, minor things like that, Uh, phonograph, cameras, telegraph, generators, uh, microphones, alkaline batteries, which are in this microphone, cement, which is very random to me. He invented cement. So, and then um, and a host of other things we have because of the mind of Thomas Edison. And I was reading a story that, a true story about his life. When he was a young boy, he came back home from school with a note, and the note was sealed. And the teacher said, this is only for your mother to read. So he turns the note in to his mom and says, this is for you. The teacher says, you have to read it. He was a young boy. And his mom opened the letter and started crying as she was reading the letter. And he said, mom, you know, what does it say? And she said, this letter, she said, you are a, a genius. And you're, you're brilliant. And apparently you're so brilliant that The teachers said they don't have the capacity or the skill to teach you, Um, so they want you to get private tutoring because you're just too brilliant for their faculty, and they're asking for me to teach you privately, and that's exactly what she did. She pulled him out of school, and she began to teach him privately and train him, and then, of course, the rest is history. He goes on to be a pretty brilliant inventor that we're still uh, using his, his inventions today. Um, So his mom, uh, time passed, and his mom passed away, and he was at her estate cleaning out her stuff and uh, was going through old letters, and he found the letter that the teacher gave to him to give to his mom years ago, and he started reading the letter, and he began to cry because the actual words of the letter said that your son is mentally ill. Your son is slower than the rest of the students, and he's no longer welcome at our school because he can't keep up, and you have to find another way for him to learn. And then he began to cry because he realized that in that moment of that letter, even as a kid, his mom had enough, uh, I guess, sense, I should say, to realize I've got to protect what my son hears if he hears these things about himself, it could change the trajectory of his life. So therefore, instead of telling them that he was uh, dumb, or telling him that he wasn't good enough, she said that you're so brilliant that they can't even handle you. I'm gonna teach you yourself. And sure enough, and sure enough, because he heard that, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Thomas Edison is arguably one of the most brilliant inventors that we know. So my point of that, what I'm choosing to extract from that story is it matters what you hear. It matters what you take in because it affects, it gets down to your heart and it affects the the whole journey of your life. So we're going to talk about what we should be letting in and we're going to talk about what we should be keeping out. We're going to start about what we should keep out. What should we be guarding our hearts from? And scripture has tons of, of passages on this. I can cover everything but I'm going to cover some. The first scripture is Proverbs 18 verse 8. Proverbs 18 verse 8. It says, "Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart." Proverbs 26:22. Another one says, "The words of a talebearer." which is another word for gossiper, are as wounds. And they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. So when you are hearing words of gossip or words of a bearer, you are hearing, you are receiving wounds to your heart. According to the Bible, you actually are receiving wounds to the innermost part of your belly. Rumors or gossip hurt the hearer, just as much as the speaker, if not more. There's a lot of emphasis on making sure that we don't speak, but I'm seeing that there's a lot of significance in hearing these things too, because the, the Bible describes it as dainty morsels, There's some translations that compares it to candy, and apparently the idea is that it's very easy to take down, but to the hearer's surprise, it actually sticks and goes deep into the, the heart of, of people and it changes the way they think, it changes the way they feel, it changes the way they see themselves, the way they see others. And it can actually change who you are. 1 Corinthians 15:33. 1 Corinthians 15:33 says, "Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners." Some translations say good character, which means you can actually have good character. You can actually have good morals and good manners. But simply because of the communications that you entertain, your quality of character can diminish simply by communications. You can actually change the state of who you are as a person based off of the communications that you choose to entertain. I've seen this firsthand in my life. I grew up being a pretty good kid. I've had a pretty, uh, I believed in following the rules. I believe I was an obedient kid. My parents tell me I was. I had a pretty positive outlook on life. And around high school, uh, I, a lot of that changed. My demeanor changed. My outlook on life changed. My sense of confidence changed. My sense of joy and pride in what I did changed. And I believe if you traced my life, it it was the moment that I began to entertain communication from things that were not pure. I began to hear things and associate myself with conversations that actually corrupted and decayed my character and my manners. And there's things that I started doing that I would have never never imagined I would do. Things I would say that I was like, I I never thought I would ever say this. Communication matters. What you say, and for this message, what you hear plays a vital part in who you become as a person. And I know this firsthand. So what makes communication evil? What qualifies as evil communication? Well, I have one thing to tell you. It's more than just cuss words and, and dirty jokes. Those are the obvious ones. But there's other things on the list that can qualify as Evil communication. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says, There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Those are some strong words. We're talking hate. We're talking abomination. These are strong words. And this is what these things are that he hates. Haughty eyes, which is prideful. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. There's a scripture that I... Mentioned earlier, I skipped earlier Proverbs seventeen, and it talks about how gossip can separate the most intimate of friends. Some of you guys have experienced this firsthand, where because things were talked about, it actually had the power to separate. Some translations say some translations say chief friends. You can actually see your best friends break away from you because of what you've heard. So when I think of that, and I connect it to Proverbs 6, sowing discord among brothers. When something is said that causes discord, division amongst brothers and sisters in Christ, God considers that an abomination to him. We are responsible for what we say, and according to this message, we're seeing that we're responsible for what we hear. So as guards, we have to make sure that when we we hear those things, When it seems like it's connected to something that we're talking about here, as your own personal guard for your heart, you have to have the responsibility and the know how to say, that's not getting in my ears and it's not getting into my heart. So, those are things that we've been instructed to keep out of our hearts, keep away from our ears. What are the things that the Lord is saying that we should let in our hearts? What are things that the Lord is saying that we should let through our ears? Because it's both. There's things that we should keep out, but there's things that we should let in. Let's talk about what we should let in. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 17. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Everyone say good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. They have not all obeyed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? What he has heard from us. Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So the same Bible that is saying you should keep your ears away from discord and keep your ears away from gossip is saying you should turn your ears on for the good news. Because when the good news gets through your ears and gets down to your heart, it changes who you are. But instead of corrupting who you are, it starts to build who you are. It starts to strengthen who you are. It starts to nourish who you are. What else should we let in our ears? Ephesians 5. 17 through 19. I'm going to stop at 19. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. and Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another with, sorry, in psalms, and hymns, And spiritual songs. So we should be hearing about the good news, and according to this passage, we should also be hearing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This says that we're even called to sing them to one another. Now, we did that a little bit earlier. We got to hear hymns and praise songs and songs that are built to build our faith and our awareness and our adoration towards God. But the scripture is letting me know that we should be doing this more often, even when we address each other. Now, you can sing if you want. But the good news about it is I don't believe that you have to always sing. Like, you don't have to go to someone. I can say, hi, Jasmine. Blessed assurance. She's like, Jesus is mine. Like, we don't have to do that. We can talk to each other. We can say, you know, how's your day? Man, I'm just so sure. It feels so good to be sure that Jesus is mine. You know how are you doing? Oh man, I'm good today. I mean, it's been tough, but you know, God is faithful. He's faithful. This is so great, and it's just getting me through the day. I mean, that's a very natural way, socially acceptable way to walk out this scripture. You don't have to sing to each other at work. If you want, you can. You might get some unnecessary attention your way, but you can incorporate it in your speech. We're Christians. These are one of the ways that we're supposed to be different than people who aren't Christians. This would be strange if I was asking someone who didn't believe in Jesus to be doing this. But you guys have Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit. And if this, has to, if this is going to be cultivated and, and built and grown in your life, it has, to be, it has to be tended to. It has to be watered. And, and, and sunlight it has to get the nutrients And it's all to do with what you hear. What else should we be hearing? Ephesians 4, verse 25, it says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, which means stop lying. No more lying for Christians. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. We should limit our words to words that are the truth And in 2022, we have to make sure we specify that truth is not relative. Society says that it is. But relative truth is what Webster calls opinions. And it's okay to have your opinion. It's okay to have your perspective. But it's very hazardous, very hazardous for you and the person that you're speaking to. When you make your preferences and you make your opinions Synonymous with truth. Guys, we have to put our, put our uh, thinking caps on and really be vigilant because when it comes to this time, people are making opinions synonymous with truth. And it's really messing people up because in all actuality, the only anchor we have in our human race is truth. That's the only foundation we have, truth. Truth. That's the only absolute thing that we have to stand on. And when we swap out an absolute truth with things that can change based on what you ate that day. Like that's how fleeting and moving our opinions are. Literally, it depends on the weather. Like you don't want to build your life on something that is that subjected. So that's, that's subjective. There's opinions, our opinions change from season to season. I used to think one thing when I didn't have kids, and now I think a different thing now that I have kids. That's an example of opinions that can change, perspective that can change. Please don't make the mistake of making that the same thing as the truth. When it comes to Christians, we do not have a call to share our opinions. We do not have a calling on our life to share our preference. We have a call in our life to share the truth. And that's the only thing that we are responsible to tell. And you find the truth through one name and one name only, and that is Jesus Christ. I promise, I know it can sound too narrow, but that's what he said it was. He said it was narrow. He said that it was difficult and few people can find it because it's so specific. And we live in a society that hates, that hates specificity. We hate specific things. We hate commitment. We hate absolutes. We want gray. We want, we want a spectrum. So, we have to understand that we are being saved into something that is very countercultural. Young or old, whoever's in this room, you must understand if you're choosing Jesus, you're choosing a way that is so different than the way that you used to live, and so different that the majority of the people live around you. And it's a reality that the sooner you swallow that pill, the better your life will be. It's different, it is a different way of living but it's a better way. I'm all for different if it's better. Like I'm all for change if it's better, you know? So Jesus is giving us a different way to live, a different way to speak, a different way to hear because we have him and his way is different. Ephesians 4.29, Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Which, yes, that does mean that you do not have a right to say everything that you want to say. I know it is your right as an American, but it is not your right as a Christian. (laughs) Americans, obviously, and and praise God, I'm not doubting freedom of speech as how I'm able to do this. But we can't stand on our rights and say, I can say whatever I want. Scripturally, you can't. Christians are restricted from saying we can't say things that are corrupting. We can't say things that are damning, that are condemning. We can't say these things. We can't say curses. So don't let your freedom as an American put you into bondage spiritually. And I praise God that I can preach the gospel, but you get what I'm saying. We can't. Use freedom of speech to say things that Jesus hasn't given us freedom to say. Paul says, "Don't let your freedom actually be used to put you and others people in bondage. When you speak things that are not true, it brings corruption to others." The Bible says, "Keep that out of your mouth." I don't care how much you feel it. Venting is not a spiritual gift. It's not a virtue. And for all you, I can't help it. That's a lie from Satan. You've been given self-control through the Holy Spirit. Just because it's on your mind doesn't mean that you're called to say it. I've got all kinds of things in my mind sometimes. And not all of it is from God. But if you get so narcissistic as a Christian to think just because it's on your heart that it's supposed to be spoken, you are you are an error. You are in error. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, no matter how much you feel it. No matter how much you're burning to get it out. If it's not pure, it is not your calling to say. And I know that's different, but it's better. And if no, who else is called, if we don't live like this, who else is going to live like this? If Christians in church don't take responsibility for the words that come out of our mouth who else is going to the answer is no one but what should we say but only such as is good for building up which means for all of you i don't have a filter people it's time to put a filter in if it's not building someone up that is that goes to the trash You have to limit your words to things that build people up. Some of you all are like, well, that means I wouldn't say anything. Well, praise God. (laughs) Praise God for all of us. Thank you. (laughs) On behalf of everyone in this room, thank you. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. And this is where the love comes in. Hallelujah. This is where this is what tests to show if you have love in your heart and you don't. Or you don't. It says that it may give grace to those who hear. We have to be more considerate to the listeners. We have to be considerate because we actually have a responsibility to let our words give grace to people who are hearing us. The whole point of this is so that you can take every time you speak to someone as an opportunity to plant grace in their ears because we all learn that what goes through the ears it gets to the heart. So, whatever people are hearing from you, it can get to their heart. And as Christians, you must make it your calling. That when I speak, people are receiving grace from God. You're not going to think that way if you don't love people. You have to love people enough to actually edit your words. That's if you love them. I don't believe in safe places to talk corruption. If I'm not a safe place for you to talk crap about people, that's a compliment. Thank you. I'm glad I'm not safe for you to say things that are corrupting to me about other people. That's a win for me. In fact, a safe place no longer is safe when you start talking corruption. You just made a safe place dangerous. It was safe until you started talking corrupt things. It's not safe anymore. Because now it's putting things in my heart that are going to corrupt my, my character and my, my morals. It's different. This is a different life if you follow Jesus. It changes the way that you walk, the way you talk, the way you think. You guys still with me? The reason why I'm spending time on this is because we're about to start um, a semester of life groups. And life groups are a, a major part of our ministry at Nashville Life. We've, we've adopted this, this ministry and this concept since we started. And life groups to me are a great way for a church to grow big and grow small at the same time. Um, and I mean that by numerically, like we're bigger than we've ever been. Nashville Life currently This is the biggest we've been in 10 years. And it's growth and it's awesome and I believe it's going to keep going. But life groups give us a chance to grow as large as God wants to grow us without losing um, the small gatherings and the connections that you receive when it's less of you around. Um, Obviously, this is beautiful, but this is kind of one-sided. Y'all are just listening to me and every once in a while you say amen. But the beauty of life groups is you get to discuss it. You can kind of say, hey, you know, I was thinking this. And, you know, that's really I was saying. that." And it's, 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 a, it's an exchange. It's more of an exchange in a life group. And I, I really believe in its ability. I believe it's something that we see in scripture. We saw it in the early church. They met in small homes discussing the scriptures. And we saw that the Bible says that the Lord added to their number daily. The church grew because of this. And this is why I think it was happening. Because they were hearing the word of God. And when you hear the word of God, it grows your faith. And when your faith is grown, you actually can do more things for the Lord. Your your works can increase for God, which bring more people to him. It's our works that actually draw people to find more about Jesus. When they see us loving each other, when they see us blessing each other, when they see the love that's in the church, it's like a magnet. It draws people like moth to a flame. It, It draws them to the light. So I believe that all of this happens by creating an atmosphere and finding yourself in circles where you can be hearing things that edify your heart, that build your faith. And I think life groups are a great, great way to do that. We offer a lot of them. Um, They are diverse in, in types and styles and times of the day and locations. But life groups offer three things. And they offer a place to connect, a place to protect, and a place to grow. I believe life groups, they offer a place to connect, a place to protect, and a place to grow. When it comes to human beings, I've learned that human beings connect with people they identify with. And... It's very important for a human being to identify with someone. And when, that, when you can identify with them, whatever the trait is that you can identify with, uh, that is what births connection. And when there's a connection, then you can easily exchange, uh, in this case, truth and love and the gospel. And you're able to receive it in a way because of that connection. And I believe as Christians, we're called to, to find those connections with each other. Um not all the connections and the things to identify with will be as easily as easy as others. Some of us identify with each other a lot more easier because there's maybe some major obvious similarities you know, I don't know race like they're they're black, cool, I got you, or they're white nah, I see you brother um or or uh I don't know, I was divorced and they were divorced. Okay, there's a connection. Or I play football, you play football, great. Or, you know, I live in Lebanon, you live in Lebanon. I know, there's different types of ways you can identify and connect with each other. And they are all, for the most part, good. But as Christians, um, there's a passage that Paul says, and this is the, uh, living, uh, the living Bible translation. It says, 1 Corinthians 9.22 1 Corinthians 9.22, it says, yes, whatever a person is like, Paul says, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Uh, The popular translation is, I become all things to all people. So what Paul did, and this is who I think we should learn from, and I believe Jesus was a genius at this too. It didn't matter if you were a poor person on the street or if you were a centurion or if you were a tax collector, Jesus had the ability to identify, to identify and connect with a very wide range of people. Now, obviously, you can say he's Jesus, but Paul wasn't Jesus. And Paul it was someone that showed that he put effort in finding common ground. And the key word is find. Common ground. We can't limit our connections to people where it's just effortless. And yes, those times are great. When you meet someone and y'all effortlessly identify with each other, those are just nice little gifts. But you can't think, unless it's an obvious connection, we just don't connect. For some people, you might have to work a little bit harder and find that common ground. I said in first service, I don't care if it's you've been to Olive Garden and I've been to Olive Garden. Common ground. If that's the only thing you can find, it's like, let me milk that. Let's talk about breadsticks. Let's talk about salads. Let's talk about my, your favorite pasta. Let's talk about, I don't know, like whatever we can do, find that common ground and really use it because that can serve as small as it is. If you magnify it and if you really work it, you can find yourself, oh, my gosh, that's my Olive Garden brother. What's up? i see you at Olive Garden at six. Like it, it's, you can find it if you want to find it. I don't care if you are 80 and someone else is 20. If you find it, there is a common, you all both, you know, like to fish. Okay, boom, I can work with that. We both like to fish. All right, let's find common ground there. Because the purpose of that effort is, Paul said, so that when I tell them about Jesus, when we talk about goodness of God, we're able to have an exchange because of the connection so as church, church we got to step it up. We, we got to graduate from the ways that we used to identify with people. It's nothing wrong in finding people that are in the same, you know, stage of life. But God forbid those are the only people you can connect with. You know, they have two kids. I only have one. You know, we're just in different seasons. Uh, all right. <laughs> Can you dig a little bit deeper? They live in Brentwood. I live in Franklin. It's okay. Is that, that really counts them out? (laughs) I was, you know, one time I was a couple. You know, we just, we want couples our age. I was like, sweet, how are y'all? I was like, oh, so-and-so, they're 24. They're like, oh, but we're 26. (laughs) I said, Okay. Maybe y'all just don't wanna connect then. <laughs> some of us just don't wanna connect. If you wanna connect, you can find it. You can find it. Paul says, I found it, which means he looked for it. He looked for it. There are some of you guys that I more easily connect with than others. Y'all won't know who, but it's just how it is. Some of us are like, oh my gosh, that was so easy. Then someone's like, I had to really work for that. But it was worth the work. That's one more person that I connect with. And when I say the truth of God's word, they can receive it because we found a connection. Yes, it was an Olive Garden connection, but it was a connection. It's worth it. Life groups. So, so, yes, if you find something that's exactly who you are and exactly where you are in life, great. But please don't let that be as deep as the search goes. For some of us, it's I believe in Jesus, you believe in Jesus. That's one of the strongest connections you can have, to be honest. Some of my best relationships I have, we would not be friends if we, if we didn't believe in Jesus. Some of the best relationships, if we didn't both have a faith in Jesus, we would have never been friends. Those make some of the best relationships because your common ground is Christ. That's the meeting place. We have the potential to form those connections here. So dig deeper. Protection. Protection is major. We're sheep, just so you know. The Bible calls us sheep. We're sheep in a fold. This is what the church is. We're sheep in a pasture. That's the analogy that God uses to describe us. That's one of the analogies. We're a lot of things. We're army. We're family. We're ambassadors. But also we're sheep. And the Bible says that there's wolves amongst the sheep. And if ever you watch, you know, National Geographic Predators... They go for the most vulnerable. They go for that one that's tail that's dragging in the back. They go for that one that's limping. Predators are mean. They don't go for the strong ones that can defend themselves. They go for the ones who are weak, the ones who are vulnerable emotionally, the ones who are by themselves, a little bit isolated, a bit discouraged. He goes, Easy prey. But when you travel and when when you're a part of the fold, when you're connected, it offers protection. You're a lot less vulnerable to wolves when you're walking in covenant and in community with other believers. That's why the enemy fights you so hard to go to group and to go to church. Because he wants you isolated. He He can be a lot more successful when you're a lone ranger than he can when you got that accountability and those brothers and those sisters in your life. And life groups help provide that. Third thing that it provides is a place to grow. We're called to grow. The vision of our church is follow Jesus, building leaders. We're growing up. We're trying to mature you. The Lord is wanting to mature all of us, including me. We're all being matured. We're going to next levels of maturity. And that doesn't happen by accident. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It takes people to sharpen you. Amen. Some of us are like, "God's wants to sharpen me." No. God's my pastor. Okay, great. Like also. God's my life group. He's my community. Ah not, not biblical. Sounds nice, but not biblical. People are called to sharpen you. So stop hiding. Don't isolate. It's not worth it. Trust me, the fruit and the benefits, and yes, it's risky. Because we've all been hurt in here. Every single person here has been hurt by somebody. And I get it. There's a hesitancy to lean in. But this is where you have to trust God. If God says people are called to sharpen you, by you resisting it, it's not showing that you don't trust people. It's showing that you don't trust God. Because it was his idea. So you're saying, you're not saying, Lord, you know, I love you, but I, I trust you, but I just don't trust them. God goes, no, actually, you're saying you don't trust me. Because if I'm telling you that it's other human beings that are called, the Bible called people to disciple people. It didn't say, Angel, Gabriel, go make disciples. It didn't say, Holy Spirit, go make disciples. He said, People, disciples, go make disciples. It takes a person to sharpen you, it takes another person to take you to the next level. And we've been very isolated, both physically because of the past couple years, but emotionally, mentally, digital things, Instagram, we're getting more and more distant, and we're, we're we're distancing ourselves with the people that are called to sharpen us and to grow us up. And Life Groups helps you to get in closer proximity with each other. It might be uncomfortable, but it's worth it. It's worth it. The the benefits will be a blessing to you. And I'm just such a believer in it. I can tell you firsthand that if it wasn't for this community, there's so many times that having people in my space, leading a life group on Wednesday night, having to speak on Sunday, being at church, putting myself in a position where if I'm not there, it matters, I think the healthiest church experience that you can find is when you give yourself to uh, a, a, an experience with church that where if you're not there, it matters. That's why I'm always going to be an advocate for serving on team, and I'm always going to be an advocate for being in a life group. Because there are two very tangible ways to put yourself in a position where it matters if you're not there. I can't tell you how, that's why I'm still here today. The reason why I'm still here today on the same path that I started 12 years ago is because of you guys being like, oh, man, I got to teach life group today, so I got to stay in the right headspace." I can't afford to go there because, I mean, I heard someone say leading a life group helps keep me accountable to live righteously. Knowing that you got to give the word once a week at your house, it'll, it'll tighten your life. It'll tighten your life up. Knowing how to preach in front of you, knowing got you got to greet, knowing that you got to lead. I, I have the fear of God. I don't want. I don't. There's New Testament scriptures about people dying because they, they weren't doing right in the presence of God. And God is merciful, but, like, I just believe it. It keeps it keeps you on that straight and narrow. We need that. We need that. Y'all know y'all need that because I know I need that, and I'm the pastor. Y'all need us. We need this. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity, pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. So we're talking about protection there. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Some say easily broken. We're learning a lot about withstanding the wind. I'm letting us know that we're in a very stormy time, and these winds, one of the things they do they can take cords and, and loosen them. And the word is trying to let us know if you want to make it harder for the winds to blow you out of this thing, get tight with brothers and sisters in Christ. Give yourself to these relationships. And I, mean, I say that wording on purpose. You have to give yourself to it. You have to, have to actually give yourself to it. Build a life for yourself in this church. That if you're not there, it's felt. And I'm not like, and I mean even literally, like, where is like, you know, I said if if Matt didn't come today, we wouldn't have anyone to turn. You know, the sound wouldn't be on. I love that. Like it matters. Like literally, I'd be like this. I mean, I probably would have turned it on, but you get my point. You get my point. We're having a team meeting today and we're going to be talking about we need each other. we got to start being a bit more, more uh, considerate of each other. So we're putting some boundaries in place and some settings in place. Team night, if you serve on team, please come at 1 o'clock. Because we're going to talk about some upgrades that, that's going to make us work better together. Living our lives more in accordance to the fact that we need each other. And it matters. If you're not on your post, it affects the whole offering. The whole situation. And I think that's healthy for all of us to be in. And I get some of you guys are avoiding that on purpose because there's fear. Some of you guys are scared to matter. Some of you guys are scared to be significant and be important. And there's various reasons for that, that it's between you and God. But I'm just here to let you know, don't give in to that voice. Don't hide. Don't hide. I'm not saying you got to be an extrovert and talk publicly, but there are ways. Even if you have an introverted personality, there are ways to make yourself matter to this to this community. There are ways to to put yourself in the game, to put yourself into what God is doing here. And I believe it serves as great accountability. I believe the healthiest way to be a church is to not just come to be supported, but coming to support. When you're only coming to be supported, then your reality says, if I'm not there, I'm the only one who's suffering. I think that's the issue. The more we realize that when you're not here, it's making someone else suffer, the more it changes and it births you into what church really is. We are a body. And every part matters. And I just really want to come against that perspective of you're only here to receive. Because that says that if you're not here, it's, it's my loss. No, it's our loss. It's our loss. We all affect one another. So don't be deceived. You are needed. You matter. And I think life groups are a great way to uh, realize that. You know, it's a, lot, <laughs> it's a lot more noticeable when you're not in a group of eight than if you're not at a group of 300. That's why I love groups because it's like, oh, so-and-so's not here. They, they used to sit right here on that couch, like, and that, that sort of stuff protects you. It really does. And I, I'm speaking firsthand. Uh, this, that's, that's how I've been able to endure. So I, I really admonish and, 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 and encourage you guys to, to change your experience here because you matter. And team and life groups help make that more real to you, that you matter. And it's very healing. But going back to hearing, guys, every time you go to group, every time you speak to each other, every time you ask questions, that's an opportunity to plant grace in somebody's heart. Take speaking from this point on. Take speaking as an opportunity to to plant life into someone's heart. And if it's not giving them the life of God, keep it. Keep it. It wasn't that great anyway. Trust me. Keep it. And just like we have responsibility for what you say, you have responsibility for what you hear. David said to those who were speaking against him and ridiculing him, he said he made himself deaf to them. He said, I made myself a deaf man to those words. The Lord says just because you have ears doesn't mean that you have to hear. That's why he said, "He who has ears, let him hear." Some translations says, "lend me your ear, give me your ear." You have a decision of what you give an ear to and what you don't. The Bible lets us know what we should become deaf to, and the word lets us know what we should turn our ear to. My prayer is that you've heard these things. And that it blesses you and inspires you to hear more of God's word. Speak more of God's word. It will benefit you as a speaker and it will benefit the listener as well. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you so much, God. We come to you, Lord. We bless you. Father, we love you. And we thank you for your presence. We thank you for what we've heard today. We thank you for the power of of uh hearing God's word Lord we trust that your word is true and that if we allow ourselves to hear truth and allow ourselves to hear the good news more and more we will gain more and more faith faith to move mountains, faith to love those who we've been called to to win to Jesus uh, to faith to to heal the sick faith to uh, grow in our, our community, faith to, to realize the dreams that you have for us, faith to follow Jesus more faithfully, faith to have joy, faith that can have hope, Lord, faith faith to do things that we couldn't do before. Lord, Lord, you, you are wanting to build faith in us. You are wanting to give us great faith, but Lord, you're showing us that it has everything to do with what we hear. Lord, so as guards of our own hearts, God, give us the wisdom. Give us the courage to give an ear to what edifies us and to not give an ear to what tears us down. Lord, give us the courage to say, no, that's not getting in. And the courage to say, yes, that's getting in. I'm letting that into my ears. I'm letting that into my heart. God, continue to be our guide. Holy Spirit, continue to be our guide. God, I pray, Lord, that as I've spoken the word of God today, as I've spoken your word, that people that were listening, whether in this room or online, have more faith because of what they heard today. God, I pray, Lord, that... Their faith has grown because of what they've heard, and Lord, because of that faith, they will say yes to you, Jesus. There are people here that came without a relationship with you. There are people watching online that didn't have a relationship with you, but because they heard the word, they now have the faith to look to you, Jesus, and say, I turn from my sins. I repent for my sins and I make you Lord of my life. God, I thank you that this is happening and I believe it by faith because your word is true. God, I pray, Lord, that any person here or the people here who've had their hearts damaged from negative things they've heard, even from childhood, words that put them down, words that were curses over their lives, words of limitation, words of condemnation, words of rejection, Lord, many of us have taken so much into where our hearts have been damaged. Lord, but I thank you that even though this is true, your truth, your word says that you give us a new heart. So God, I pray, Lord, that people here with broken or damaged hearts because of communications they've experienced over the years, whether from parents or teachers or friends or or enemies, or even words they've said themselves and they've heard themselves say it over their own lives. People who've called themselves ugly, people who've called themselves losers, people who've called themselves failures. Lord, give us new hearts. Give us new hearts that don't have the damage from those words. Give us new hearts that don't have the damage from the things that we've heard over the years. Give us new hearts, God, and we will be faithful to protect those hearts and to guard those hearts the way that your word tells us to guard them. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to ask us all to stand. We're going to close out. But before I do, I want to give everybody an opportunity to choose Jesus. I don't want to assume that anybody here knows Jesus as their savior. I don't want to assume that anybody here has an active relationship with him. And if that's you, you came to the right place. I'm going to lead us in a quick prayer. The Bible says if you believe this in your if you speak this with your mouth and believe this in your heart, something's going to happen. You're going to experience salvation. You're going to experience forgiveness. Guys, I want to make it clear, like what John Maverick said, you can't add Jesus to your life without turning away from sin. Sin is going this way and Jesus is going this way. You can't continue in sin and still pursue Jesus at the same time. One's got to go. You either have to turn your back on Jesus and be in sin or turn your back on sin and be towards Jesus. I'm asking you to turn your back on sin. I'm asking you to turn away from the way that you used to think and the way that you used to live and turn to Jesus Christ. Let him save you. Let him change you. Let him use you to bless other people. So repeat these words after me, everybody, even if you already received it. Let's say it all together. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and raised from the dead on the third day. I repent of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now I want to ask for everybody to offer up a sound of thanksgiving. If you believe that Jesus forgave you of your sins, if you believe that he has saved you, that he's forgiven you, that he's given you new life, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's thank him. God, we thank you. we honor you. God, we worship you. Thank you for giving us new hearts. If you said yes to the Lord Jesus, we are here to serve you. We want to help you. We want to be there for you. We want to support you. And uh, the way you can do that, we have an easy text system. You can text the word BELONG to 77411 and we can connect with you that way and give you some resources. We also have a prayer team that's gonna be here to offer prayer for anybody who needs it. I don't care what the prayer need is. You can come for prayer, we would love for you to. We also have a life groups booth. If you wanna learn more about life groups, to my right, we've got a table of some life group leaders that would love to meet you. Tell them a little bit about their group and you can look and figure that out and decide what you wanna do and sign up online. We start next week. Um, And then lastly, if you would like to give online, thank you in advance. You can give online or you can give in the finance team. They're going to be in the back. They'll be happy to receive your offering or your tithe. Thank you again in advance. God bless you. And let's pray. Father, I pray a blessing over everybody who's here, every family that is represented in this room and watching online. God, I pray that you would... Give us new hearts, Lord. Give us new hearts, fresh hearts, free of all of the damage that we've heard over the years. And God, give us the ability to guard our hearts. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.